I hope you listened to and enjoyed the last episode of this podcast, which was the first episode using a new format, which I'm going to be doing going forward, in which I talk with several people on a subject, and then we have extracts from those interviews brought together to explore that subject a little bit further, with that last episode being on the subject of innovative guitar design. I was lucky enough to speak with three luthiers that make really interesting out there and experimental guitars and to get their perspective on guitar design today and where guitar design is heading in the future. If you've not checked it out and that sounds like an interesting kind of subject for you or you're just into guitar stuff or design stuff even, I really recommend going and checking that out. But I did also say at the end of that episode that I would be releasing the full length individual interviews that I did with each guest because we not only then get to listen to kind of the full detail of what they actually said on the subject of innovative guitar design and hear all the stuff that didn't make it into the last episode, but also we really went on and had a, a complete conversation really more more than in an interview, just uh, just talking about guitars, uh, talking about music, talking about where music's heading, all of that sort of good stuff that interests anyone who's into guitars and music. So I'm very happy today's episode to present the first of those full-length interviews with Florian of Millimetric Instruments based out of Montreal in Canada. Uh, if you really would like to know more about Millimetric Instruments and Florian's work to go along with this episode, obviously I recommend you go and listen to the last episode if you haven't done so already. Bunch of information on Florian's work there and obviously hearing his perspective on the subject of guitar design, but also there's going to be a bunch of links in the description for this podcast where you can go and check out Millimetric Instruments and get to know Florian's work a little better in that way as well. So this is the first one. The next couple episodes will be my other full-length interviews that I did for the previous podcast. So we've got my interview with Leo Lospinato coming up and my interview with Robin of Verso Guitars as well. But today I'm talking with Florian of Millimetric Instruments and without any more of me blabbing on, let's just jump into it. When I was coming up with questions for this, I sort of started to question myself with this idea that there are like innovative guitar designs on the one hand and then more standard guitar designs on the other hand. And I was wondering about your perspective on that. Does it even make sense to say that on the one hand there are like innovative or experimental designs and then clearly on the other hand there are more standard designs? Do you see it that way? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. There is, there, there is, there is like quite a few um, builders that intentionally try to push things further in terms of you know uh, design and aesthetics and uh, and details that can reshape the 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 guitar the guitar format. So so yeah, totally. And there is there are all other people that just want to make Telecaster, which is fine. I mean, I love Telecasters as well and. Uh, everything, everything is. There is no no wrong uh, solution to um, not solution, but um, yeah, there is no wrong answer to uh, to how you want to make a, a guitar. Mm -hmm. That was good. That you covered yourself well there with a nice democratic answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, I love I love traditional uh, guitar design as well. Like, uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, jazz masters, Telecasters uh or you know all these g's or i i love those designs i love uh any any old uh, old design it is good it's just, it's just sometimes i can ha i can have a, a little bit of a pet peeve with people that 
calls themselves like, oh, I made a new guitar shape. It's obviously a, t- a Telecaster or a Strat or Les Paul. Yeah. That that I have a problem with, but I I'm I'm totally fine when people just want to make you know, no, uh, I would say normal looking guitars. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good distinction. Yeah, I think that is a big part of it about how it's presented, um, not just the guitar in itself. That's when it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. I would say I feel similarly, and and that's a good distinction to make. So then. Uh, do you absolutely put yourself on then the side of more innovative builds rather than the more standard designs? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously my, my guitar design isn't super uh, uh, conventional. Although it, it, you know, I I take codes from uh, vintage guitars all the time. Like the mm. the, ne- the neck construction is uh, is from Travis Bean, uh, a guitar company that was born in the uh, in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So uh, I take codes from you know vintage Fenders, uh, vintage uh, uh, Silvertone case, uh, Dan Electros. Uh, I I don't think there is a uh, the, a guitar shape that can be only new, you know. It always mm-hmm. takes code from. You always start somewhere with an idea or uh, uh, the the vision of. Uh, there is a few rare cases, but I think all the time it it, it suggests uh, the shape suggests um, something in the past. Yeah, you're you're not making something in a void or out of nowhere. Um, yeah, that's really interesting, though. You've made me think there a little bit that. Um, you know, we talk about a clear idea of standard on the one side or more innovative on the other side, but uh, you kind of can't make that distinction necessarily with like older and newer models because pointing to some of those companies like Travis Bean or Dan Electro or Silvertone, you know, those designs, because they didn't quite catch on in the same way of others, they still kind of look quite radical. So if you draw inspiration from them, even though these are like vintage guitars at this point, you can be really, really like radical and look kind of futuristic almost, right? <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, even though it's older guitars, do you think there's like a gray area of guitars? Um, do you think there are guitars that kind of fall in the middle? Have you ever seen something where you go, you know, that's really halfway between something very new and like something that really just feels more standard? Oh, this uh, I never, I never try to think about it like that but Mm -hmm. um i think it depends on the the um the popularity each model has has had in the past or is having or is gonna have uh because uh, you know at first like jazz masters weren't that popular Mm. it became very popular with uh i think to me i think the the 80s and the 90s with like uh, indie indie rock, like a Sonic Youth or yeah. or a band like this, and I think the same goes for uh, Case Down Electros, uh, Silvertones. They became more and more popular with the years, but at first, yeah, they were they were oddballs, mm. and I, I yeah, I think maybe I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that there is there could be one one model that I would say that is in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because they could be particular, like like metal guitars. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I that's what actually came to my mind. Interesting. So I was trying to think of an example 
if I couldn't, and to my own question, I couldn't even think of an example, but the kind of closest things in my head were sort of when metal guitars take more traditional shapes and then tweak them so much because they, they kind of have an extreme aesthetic because of, you know, the, the, the musicians that they're aiming for and the aesthetic around that kind of, a lot yeah. of metal music is more extreme. So they'll like really change things in extreme ways. Like some Dean guitars might just be like a single cut, but then mm-hmm. they'll like extend this section and completely extend that section. And then yeah. it's like 24 frets and all the measurements are completely different. And then aesthetically they change a lot and you kind of go like, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, it's a single cut, but you would never, ever mistake it for, you know, a traditional single yeah. cut. Yeah, I, I, was, I was more thinking about like all the, the B-series stuff. Right, right, okay. Which mm-hmm. I feel could be kind of in the middle. It's because now they've become real classics, mm. but they still like look super uh, strange to some people. Yeah. It depends on your, on your knowledge uh, of guitar, I guess. That's also true, right? Yeah, it's like what you're used to. It depends yeah. a little bit on how deep you are into all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, BC Rich, that, that is a really interesting one, actually, that kind of maybe falls in its own in its own little space. I, I remember having that conversation with I don't know who, uh, and we're, I... I I don't remember the subject, but I, we came we came on on uh, on the subject that uh, BC Reach was uh, a, a special a special guitar brand for guitar shapes because they're not exactly well some of them are classics but they're not exactly as classics as uh, as Strat or Telecasters or Les Paul can be and I don't know yeah it's. Yeah, they're kind of almost close to like camp value sometimes. Like I've definitely seen quite a few like really uh, kind of like, I don't want to say gimmick because that's a harsh word and I don't mean it in that way, but like a themed bands, you know, like pirate metal or like yeah. fantasy metal. <laughs> like a lot of those guys play Beast Rich and you're like, that totally works with that. And it's like, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, wild costume and like visuals and it's like, you know, it's it's almost like some sort of weird metal version of a burlesque show at times, and you're sort of like, it kind of works in there. Like for some reason, yeah. that kind of works. <laughs> well, those guitars are a bit burlesque to me, but mm-hmm. it, I mean, I'm all, I've always been a fan of a of, of the old mocking mockingbird model. Mm. Yeah, uh, because uh, when I was back in France and uh, starting playing guitar, I always looked for oddball shapes and. Uh, you know to uh to to buy or to try and uh i was i was in the uh stoner doom scene and mm-hmm. those those mockingbirds were i had, had a following in the in the, in that realm in that style so mm-hmm. uh, i always been a fan of uh of the mockingbird not yeah, much so of the wallock or or the other models but yeah the, the mockingbird is kind of cool i like the mockingbird i did they do was it still with the Mockingbird shape? I swear B-Series did like a 10-string model like way back in the day where like some of the tuners were down on the bottom of the guitar or like all of the tuners oh, were yeah. down on the bottom yeah, of the guitar. Yeah, yeah, Because that was pretty wild. That was, you know, in the 80s. Or yeah, whatever I think the 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 last, uh, the, the bottom four string were doubled mm-hmm. or something like this. I, I don't know. It was uh, something really weird. Yeah, yeah, I I know I know some uh, some metal player uses uh, ten or eight. I mm-hmm. think it's eight, eight eight strings or 
and the, the the bottom two are double to do to do soloing you have a have a chorusing effect on just the bottom strings right so that's pretty cool that's a, you know you could see why it wouldn't necessarily catch on but like it's 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 a pretty cool thing I think. yeah i think i think recently matt pike had something like this on the on on the first like, guitar he, and he mm-hmm. played he played live with it i, I think i'm i'm not cool. sure that's awesome i love to see stuff like that you know and when it really affects the the way people play and the sound as well it's it's interesting to see how yeah. like a good musician plays with that you know it's not just a kind of gimmicky thing it kind of becomes a creative tool and that's really mm-hmm. interesting um so i mean speaking of that and speaking of players are there certain kinds of players that want or need something truly different um like do you think your clientele is maybe in some ways distinct from people looking at more traditional or more standard guitars yeah i yeah i think so i i think most most of my clientele is very design oriented mm. uh they mm, because I, I i i i've seen a few players that plays live and i have bands and uh they were uh, they were saying like yeah i get, I like your guitars, but I don't know if I could play that on stage. I don't know if visually it fits, and mm. I, I, I can, I kind of agree. Like, uh, it, it, there, there look, there are guitars that, that that looks like different, and you have to be comfortable, you know, playing with it. And I don't have a lot of uh, big players on uh, that that I sold guitar to, but um, the ones that that play that play them are in a style of music that is quite fitting mm. like um uh Dave Nutson from Minus the Bear or yeah. um uh, Alessandro Cortini from Nine Inch Nails mm. that mm. you know that, that that's kind of like modern music like um I I mean you get, you can play anything on, on my guitars I don't I don't <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making a judgment, but uh, for sure, like I, with the music that I listen to, I, I kind of envision people playing my guitars. Like I would love for uh, Saint Vincent to have one of my guitars on stage for sure, because mm-hmm. I think it's quite fitting. Uh, it's more so for uh, with the previous albums, uh, but mm-hmm. or like bands like uh, Battles. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Very, very like uh, modernistic music in, in, in a way. Yeah, I mean, sort of the that's where I first noticed that link, that kind of scene. Because I think when you're a kid, you, you have this idea of like you kind of have that music purity sort of stage where you know, like oh, visuals and all of that stuff. If you even think about that stuff, it's like poser or whatever. But mm-hmm. then you you realize how much of it affects you, right? However, you engage with the music. It, it it changes how it affects you, right? Yeah. Um, so you start to realize, like, okay, you know, if a band is obsessed with only the visuals, the, the cost of the music, obviously that could be problematic. But actually, part of the reason I engage with these bands the way I do is kind of there are these choices where they're conscious or unconscious about the look. And I think, mm-hmm. like, kind of that math rock scene was really where I first kind of came to terms with that because, um, you know, a lot of this stuff was, like, low budget. They don't have, like, a big light show or like crazy yeah. videography going on but you just uh, from playing guitar and being a guitarist i just noticed like all of them like never played 
the like more standard guitars it was at least kind of like an offset you know thinking like nick reinhardt always playing like weird squire things in weird colors and it was always like that and it was just like that's when i first noticed it's like oh you do make these choices even if you don't realize it and then you try to think of an example like have i ever seen a cover band guy playing like a spalt guitar or something and he's just playing like white snake <laughs> covers and it's like no i would be like it would be the weirdest thing to see it i don't know why that is but it's true right yeah yeah that's that's true that's true yeah it's totally strange i, do, I don't know what what that is i guess for me if i try to think about me personally it's like if you have a very different or unique instrument and you're trying to push the boundaries of your music in terms of genre that feels like an appropriate like space to do that in it's kind of inspiring to have a very yeah different instrument in a way or you i don't know i at the, at the time i was uh, inspired by bands like uh, shellac and especially steve albini and mm-hmm. yeah he was playing travis beans and uh that all all that um uh, aluminum guitar trend uh started with uh albini and the and that that kind of sound that he has and uh so so yeah it, starting guitar for me i was already in that i was i was i was looking for a, a different guitar and a different guitar sound mm. so for sure i was going to go with the with something like a jazz master or uh, something that has bright pickups um i never like telecasters for to play for example cuz uh, I'm quite small, and that body is kind of bulky for me. Mm. And unless it has a tummy cut, that I, I can play one. But uh, yeah, I never, and I never really was comfortable on, on a strat either. So I guess mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. I mean that that's cool because that brings it more to like the the practical idea. Because I was one, I was starting to wonder, kind of cynically at myself, if I if it's like, have I just been really Am I just easy to market to? Is that what is that what happened? <laughs> like I'm like I'm into kind of different stuff, man. And then Fender's like people who are into different stuff, like jazz masters. And then I think one day, like I've had this amazing idea all of my own. The jazz masters are cool, and it's like well, I mean, some dude I mean, of Fender's also, like. <laughs> I mean, also the thing is, uh, you you go with what's available. Mm. And I remember. Uh, back in when when i when i really uh, dived into guitar i was it was in 2005 or six and by then if you wanted a a guitar that looked different and that was affordable it was pretty pretty hard to find something even even jazzmaster at the time weren't that uh readily available like there weren't mm. squires, there weren't even Fender uh, was only making an American version, but th- there was no Mexican version. Mm. So I think the the cheapest uh, jazz master you could get at the time was the J Masquez signature, right? Like mm-hmm. the purple one, mm-hmm. the old purple mm-hmm. one with the gold guard, the gold uh, anodized card. Yeah, and and it was it was already pretty expensive. So yeah, you would you would go you after that you would go with Dan Electros. Or you know, uh, it was like offsets really were readily available at, at a at a good price around uh, 20, 2010, something like this. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I I remember like really 
uh, I, I didn't have a ton of money at the time. Yeah. And I bought like a Nibanez Jazzmaster copy. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, because I couldn't afford a, a Jazzmaster. Now, now it's it's like it's fantastic. You can find like Squire Jazzmaster for next to nothing. Yeah, and it's perfect. But yeah, I remember wanting like a, a, a Fender Bass Six for for years. And uh, at at one point there was one available, but it was still an American series, and it was pretty expensive too. So. Yeah, we must oh, be was... getting old, man. We're slipping into like, oh, no. <laughs> back in my day, didn't have all these guitars around, man. <laughs> but I think, I think, especially for me, we, I was in between ages, uh, because I was not like paying attention in the '90s. I was not playing guitar, mm. and in the '90s, those guitars were cheap. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. they became increasingly more less cheaper because vintage uh, came on. Like the real vintage crave, I think, came on uh, in the in the early two thousand. Mm. So I, w- I I think I was not in the <laughs> in the right age to yeah. be to be uh, having uh, weirdo guitars. Now now it's great, but uh, when I started, it was it was not so so easy. Yeah, that that's a really really good point. That and it's interesting to see if like that will affect the next generation. Like, well, I mean, I, I think about that anyway. Of just like it, it's obviously going to massively depend on what people's favorite musicians play because that's really what it comes back yeah. to about that image burning to your head that's what makes us excited about guitars at the foundation of it it's always about the great musicians doing amazing things with the the instruments you know so it'll depend on the instruments that today's musicians who are inspiring people playing more varied you know like you mentioned St. Vincent um like whether for the next generation kind of people who are young and just start, starting to play guitar now if they will will have any of that reverence for certain instruments, whether there will be yeah. that like golden age idea or whether that's going to fade away, it's kind of interesting to think if that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm 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 very curious about about how he's gonna because a lot of a lot of bands that are really well known played very safe on the on the guitar design uh, uh, subject. Like if you look at really all the big bands, they're all they're all playing mostly. Either Strat, Les Pauls, or Telecasters, or Jazzmasters, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much that's pretty much it. They might have a down electro here and there, like, but usually it's it's one of those uh, four or five guitars that you see uh, at a show. So yeah, I'm I'm very curious about that. It will be you know it'll be interesting. I think again it'll play in a genre, right? The kids who are like yeah the weirdo equivalents of how we were when we were kids you know listening to kind of the out there music and probably seeing people play a really wide range of instruments are going to be yeah and right right now right now is an interesting time because uh we're are uh back with the 90s trend like uh grungy style uh so and people play like all kinds of weird uh guitars all the time like i i see metal guitars for noise rock band mm-hmm. like because it's it's funny and it looks it looks weird so it's cool so that yeah that that might play pretty weird uh in the future of mm-hmm. of guitar design cuz you, you you never know yeah yeah absolutely yeah um i i think i'd be really interested to see how that goes and whether people will push out there with different 
shapes from the like bigger companies as well a little bit that would be interesting mm -hmm. um yep. to, to see how it goes because obviously i feel like at the smaller batch builder level it is very varied it'll it'll sort of you always wonder if there's this trickle up kind of thing that yep. that, that that kind of pushes the big guys um yeah i remember when i when i was my teenage days i played a Schecter tempest i don't know if you ever yeah 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 remember that you know and that was very much like you know, it, it, like, it was just what you said about what's available, like that was available. Yeah. But when I went into a guitar store, there were not loads of weird guitars. Like almost everything was like a single cut or strat kind of copy. And that Sh was really Schechter, the different one. Schechter was doing pre uh, was doing a lot of uh, weirder stuff, taking codes from... Like I remember they had like a, a double cut that nobody was... A double cut shape that nobody was really doing, which was kind of like a... Uh, an old Ibanez artist, but mm. different, and and I'll, I always like that shape. So yeah, uh, is um, that the old Ibanez artist that they, they always had like the bull inlay on the headstock? Those ones, some of the double cuts, those were really cool as well. Um, it's kind of like a fat rounded bottom and then really kind of short. Sharp I think I think the the artist was kind of like the like a double cut Les Paul. Right. Okay. So, but the the cuts were were different than the. I I don't know if they were that different, but the Schecter one was pointier on the horns. Mm -hmm. But it was it was kind of the. I remember a, a player uh, in France. Uh, the thing that it was the guitar player of uh, the band Kubota, and he special ordered I think a Schecter like that because you couldn't really find it uh, in in Europe. And uh, I, yeah, th that's that's how much you you had to go, how far you had to go if you wanted a really special guitar, like a yeah. different shape at the at the time. Which yeah, it's yeah. but Schecter had uh, had uh, plenty uh, of of uh, different design. I think they had like something that looked. Like, was it the signature model from the guy from the Cure that was a bit like kind of like a Firebirdish or Thunderbird? Yeah, that's ringing a bell as well. Actually, yeah, I think it was a baritone too. I I, I don't I don't remember, remember mm -hmm. exactly, but they had stuff like this like really early on, like mm -hmm. for me, and yeah, even though they were they, they were a little bit too metal for me, mm -hmm. but I was still attracted to them because they were they were different. Yeah, yeah, same here. They they definitely stood out as a brand that was like trying to push that a little bit more. Yeah, amongst those bigger brands, yeah, a lot more than some of the others. Um. You know, talking about all of this, it, it just kind of circles around that question that comes up a lot about like the guitar world being very conservative. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, it's interesting to think about where that's going. Like we're talking about, is that going to go away? Is that always going to stay around? But I mean, do you think that actually there are plenty of guitar players that are looking for something different and and don't have such a kind of conservative view on it? Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, my brand is kind of the proof that people want something different. And mm. uh, it's just that uh, guitar companies, like bigger guitar companies, uh, don't want to take that much risk. and Or it's, it's hard for them to innovate because you look at Gibson. Well, Gibson usually do uh, pretty uh, bad um, new designs. I should say, because mm -hmm. the, the being being very uh, 
uh, scared of of innovating makes them do like stuff that is not super interesting. But mm-hmm. it, like brands like Fender, like they did they, they they try they try some they try stuff, you know, they do like the yeah. alternate universe uh, models. Yeah. And you know, it's still a Fender, but they try to uh, to to push I think there is a, there really is uh, a, a big market for for uh, different different guitar shapes like there as much as there is a lot of uh, conservative players there are people who are looking for different guitar shapes for sure like, yeah yeah I, I i would agree definitely and i think it's sometimes hard to like reach them all uh, from like a business perspective sometimes but um i think yeah that idea that the whole guitar world is really conservative and set in its ways is isn't really true like you said there's lots of proof that that's not the case yeah but also like uh, uh, you have to we have to deal with the fact that uh usually musicians are not the wealthiest people and uh to buy a new instrument they want to buy something that they they are sure they're gonna like for uh, for years to come or uh like usually the the uh, the more innovative uh, designs are made by uh, people like the smaller companies, like 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 me or uh, or you know uh, other mm-hmm. other luthiers, and uh, usually it's I I know it's not uh, affordable to 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 anyone, you know. I try to keep my prices the lowest possible I can to be able to you know offer guitars to a musician that. Uh, that one, that one different stuff at, at a price that is not like uh, you know, ten grand or fifteen grand. <laughs> so, yep. so yeah, I, I think that there is uh, that's the 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 the, um, uh, the thing you have to deal with uh, guitar wise, guitar design wise. Yeah, I think that that's an important point actually. It maybe doesn't get considered enough that idea of sometimes the conservative might be like a a slightly going towards the safe side because most of us can't buy 10 guitars a year and yeah. be kind of silly with it you know it's like oh this is my music making tool for my job yeah yeah uh, you you probably would play, you are gonna play it safer i think we all do that a little bit um yeah for sure so it's funny because when i'm talking about the the design things i realize everything's sort of revolving a little bit around aesthetics but um a lot of stuff that happens in terms of innovations with smaller batch builders isn't necessarily like to do with aesthetics that really interests me. Um, like some stuff in terms of sustainability and environmental considerations mm-hmm. comes into yeah. building. I know that's, that plays a role in your, uh, your design and your building and your choice of materials and stuff too. Um, is that something that you think if you're being a guitar builder today starting off should really be a consideration is that something that should really be up there with thinking about how to design a new guitar yeah oh yeah totally like especially with the the finishes and the it's not even just being eco-friendly it's like being like uh i mean body friendly because people are Mm -hmm. using guitars like this and uh nitro like people still using nitro today is like it's it's completely crazy because we know that nitro is highly cons- uh like it can give uh it can be the reason for a lot of cancers mm. and you know 
I don't I don't I don't get why people see you still use that the that thing. And I guess, I guess that's the conservative traditionalism. Yeah, yeah, totally, but it, right? you know, it's like um Yeah, it's like everything. If why continue using something that that arms uh, so much the, the the planet or or even you? Mm-hmm. So that that you know, now we have access to uh more natural uh, and eco-friendly product pretty easily with with good results like i know why some people still use uh, nitro because it's it's a particular way of uh of spraying for example mm-hmm. so when you're gonna spray you're gonna uh, when you overspray on, on nitro it just blends together and it's for some people it's easier and mm. but i mean you know Uh, if if you are a new a newcomer in the in the in the luthery and you you want to start uh, start from scratch, you should you should not be starting to use like old old stuff that is nasty for you, especially if you're a small builder. Like, yeah, it's that is very important. Uh, uh, yeah, so try and try to. Same goes for for wood. Like uh, I don't use uh, exotic woods. Um, because I don't want to, I don't want to encourage that, uh, that market and that, um, those problems. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that people might not even necessarily be aware of that, um, yeah. you know, even if the woods aren't endangered themselves, some of the, you know, like with anything, like with clothing, like with electronics, it's very, very hard to verify exactly where components or in this case raw materials come from and uh, there even, are yeah. problems perhaps with the supply chain of things like ebony coming from like war-torn areas and areas where like slave labor might be in practice or things like that and it, it can be very hard to determine exactly where exotic woods in particular come from uh, which is something that we maybe don't talk about that much when it comes to guitar world. yeah and it's it's even it's even hard to um find out where even from wood from Canadian woods or uh, American woods, it's even hard to know if 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 that wood was harvested uh, the right way. Because you, mm. you, I seen some stories where um, uh, forest companies took like uh, took down like some some trees they weren't supposed to to take down. They just mm-hmm. took it down because they knew they were they were gonna make big bucks on that. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah. even even in Canada or even locally, it's hard to do that. So imagine in at the at the scale of the planet is yeah it's it's problematic yeah it's interesting to me because in some ways i i feel like there are some good initiatives and in some ways i feel like it could be going a lot better so um in terms of acoustic guitar building in particular i feel like you know the the big names taylor and martin both have a, a lot of emphasis now on you know where they control over where they get their wood from and it all being sustainable and verified and you know making a big deal out of that and talking Mm -hmm. a lot a lot about it and really like investing a lot of time and effort um into that and then it's sort of funny i feel like in the electric guitar world there hasn't necessarily been as much of a version of that and it's kind of surprising to me you know the level of small batch builders for sure um like i feel like this comes up a lot when i'm talking with with builders like yourself but with the bigger guys, not so much. And it's kind of surprising because I feel like in the world of music and guitar stuff, obviously crossing over with that, you know, it can almost be kind of like a bit of a, a hippie idealistic thing. You know, I feel like it's usually if there's a cause, like actually the community does come together quite a lot on mm-hmm. it, you know, um, yeah. 
given the like roots of kind of rock and roll and all this stuff. It's like mm-hmm. it, it kind of is still there's a spirit of that. And I feel like this is one area where for some reason that hasn't come out so much. Like I feel like clothing and fashion, maybe just because they've had more scrutiny in the media, are doing like m- at least optically more of a job. Yeah, and of, that's of trying I to think that's I think that's a problem too in the in guitars. Like I, I don't I don't know how Teller the do things. I'm not uh but and I don't think anybody went to check uh what they're saying like to to the source. So it could be it could be greenwashing as well. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty like greenwashing is pretty easy to do in in any case. You just have to to do a post on Instagram and uh, yeah yeah I'm using that and you're not using that uh it's it you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's yeah. like like that 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 stand that you take as a as a builder, uh, it's hard to prove, you know. Even for mm-hmm. me, like it's hard to prove that I, the the wood that I use are local because I I, I can ask uh, at the the wood store and they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to answer me. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's very true. There's that there's that difficulty of the like things become more obscure the longer the chain is and the oh, more yeah. people that are involved in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's why it doesn't, it's not like a silver bullet for this stuff. It doesn't just cure it. But I suppose, like you've talked before, I've seen about keeping everything focused locally. Mm -hmm. Um, And as well as that, just, you know, being a community element, it it helps with that because you can at least have more secure knowledge. Uh, Like you said before, you know, greenwashing can occur when everything's done at this kind of distance. It's just someone's just told you that something's from a certain source and you don't know. But if you yeah. keep stuff locally and on like a face-to-face basis, I suppose that that does help to some extent. Yeah, and to me, to me, the local thing is also to avoid uh, shipping too much things mm-hmm. um, back and forth. Uh, a, few, a few years back, uh, before starting Midmetric, I uh, I did a, a bit of uh, uh, building skateboards mm-hmm. with a friend, and uh, the crazier thing was that uh, skateboard companies uh, buy usually buy their skateboard molded uh, from China. But right. the, thi- okay. the thing is, uh, skateboard companies are usually in North America, like either mm-hmm. Canada or or the US. And the crazy thing is that the wood comes from the US. Because it's usually maple, so maple right. goes all the way to China, and then is molded into a skateboard, and then come back to. That's to me, that's completely crazy. <laughs> that that's one example where it's it's just we're just like, just because the 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 the, the workers are paid way less in China, and it's it's more affordable for companies. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. So I want I want to avoid things like this, like. So I I try to get like the cases made in Montreal or uh, at least in Quebec or at least in Canada, mm. which is the case. Like my cases are made in uh, um, in in Montreal now. Yeah, and I try like t- everything that I can find uh, locally. I will try to keep to keep locally. So yeah, I I think that's something that definitely you know it deals with some of those issues and just gives you more of a secure knowledge about where things are coming from and and as well as yeah like you say massively reducing the issues with shipping which is something we don't always think about 
in there as well. Um, it's cool you mentioned the the skateboard design. Was that like a a precursor on your your odd roundabout journey to getting to making guitars? Uh, yeah, because because I studied in um, cabinet making um, a few years prior to starting making guitars, and uh, I, so after after school I I started making guitars and I started taking. Uh, uh, furniture um, orders mm. and and things. So I was uh, and I was looking for any job really to uh, <laughs> to be making a, a bit of money. <laughs> so after school, and uh, one of my friends said, "Oh, we should we should try making skateboards because we knew a shop a, a store in Montreal that had uh, what we needed to uh, to do um, uh, skateboards." Okay, cool. Like he had the he had the plies, mm. and you you need alternate plies to. To do skateboard, so you you need long grain and you need short grain mm-hmm. to alternate the, the the plies, and so we just yeah we just went and uh, get got um, a mold made uh, out of uh, the CNC and uh, and boom. <laughs> oh cool okay we just made we just made a few skateboards but uh, it it was fun yeah that's cool it's kind of like just it was an opportunity and it was there so that that's a cool thing yeah. but before that why. Why did you feel the need to start building guitars? Because it's 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 was it like from playing music? There was something that you couldn't get from other guitars. Yeah, yeah. As I as I said before, I was a big fan of um, Steve Albini, and I wanted that sound. Mm. And at first, I thought that that sound was coming from uh, the the actual guitar, the, tra- the Travis Bean. Mm-hmm. And so I was like searching for, you know, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to take the wood that's closest to, uh, to aluminum in density, which is maple. Right. Readily available. Like you could, you could find other woods that, that would fit the build better. But, um, so I went on and, and try and try to make, uh, to make one. Cause I, 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 I was wanting that sound. And I want also, also wanted, uh, a guitar that looked uh, a particular way. Like I always like with everything I I I use I like to make it my own and make it look like it's you know uh, it's different. Mm-hmm. So it's it's true for amps, for uh, pedal boards, and you know after that it was yeah, it was guitars. So um, and and yeah, just just uh, while at school I, I would I was uh, I was starting to. Uh, to make uh, a few guitars and uh, try trying to understand how it worked and and yeah, that's cool. And then was the the cabinet making course because you kind of felt like you needed some more grounding and some like fundamentals and and to develop those skills a little bit as well. Um, I love so my first studies I I went out of uh well high school for you for you uh, uh after high school I did um a selling mm-hmm. like uh commercial mm-hmm. studies. Mm-hmm. Because my my dad was in uh, in uh, in sales and uh, we all my brother and I all kind of went that way because uh, by default yeah and then I found uh, after a few years in there I've, I started uh, drawing and doing graffiti mm-hmm. and I started uh, drumming at that time too and so everything is kind of related uh, after. After the the sales studies, I went into uh, art school, 
And then while in art school, I had to move to Par- uh, to Paris. And while moving, I started uh, playing guitar. Mm-hmm. And that's when I uh, uh, went down the rabbit hole of pedals and fixing guitars, modifying guitars, like changing the pickups, changing the electronics. Mm-hmm. And I I think I remember like my my parents told me like yeah maybe you you'd want to uh, study guitar making. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, that's a nice idea." And uh because I was I was drawing guitars and I was uh you know, talking guitars uh, every day all day almost. <laughs> and so I tried to find schools or uh uh places where I could uh study or um, uh, do an internship. And the internship in France were a bit too expensive. Uh, just for uh, you know one month or it was basically the almost the price of a uh, of a brand new guitar so mm-hmm. for for a month a month so I was like nah maybe not mm. and I found a school in uh, either in Phoenix or either in Montreal okay but the school the school in Phoenix is more about like uh, fixing guitars and not as much as building. Right. And so I found that that school in Montreal, uh, but I wasn't accepted because I, I think they either weren't taking um, students from France or there was too much uh, demand from uh, students in uh, in Quebec. So I thought I was, uh, as there was also a, a cabinet making. Mm. And I thought, yeah, uh, let's let's try cabinet making. Cool. And I, I thought I was going there for a year and then switch back to uh, to Luthery. But then I found uh, my love for furniture design again. And uh, I stayed I stayed for three years and I, I ultimately started build, building guitar anyway. So, yeah. So everything is kind of connected uh, through my studies and kind of led me there to, to, to guitar building or either, you know, designing things and furniture or uh, or anything yeah it's one of the it's, it's that's so interesting because it's 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 sort of a roundabout journey in one way but also like i, mean, I don't know whether this is just the like looking back the the thing that happens when you're retroactively looking it, it almost feels like there's a logic to it as well because all of that feeds yeah. so well into guitar yeah. it's funny you know as well that your that your parents mentioned that like you're looking at a more commercial thing and they mentioned uh, guitar making and it's you know it almost feels like the opposite of some other people's stories when i talk to them it's yeah. like you know um it kind of feels like the other way around which is is cool to hear but it actually you could see how maybe they would suggest that because everything kind of feeds into that really well actually yeah 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 no it, it all when i when i started building guitars it all made sense like i was like yeah now i can you know uh, do my promotion because i studied in design mm. graphic design I can do the pictures because I studied one year in photography and uh, things like this. It all it all makes sense uh, at some, uh, at one point and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty pretty fun. Yeah, that's re- it's really it's it's just interesting, just even from a people perspective, just how that works for everybody. Everybody has such an interesting like roundabout story to becoming a guitar builder because yeah. kind of like you said you don't just like look up schools and then it's like oh there's my four-year course in guitar building every university yeah. has it and you just go do it it's it's a, no, no, it creates no. these yeah. weird stories um it also yeah. you know it explains a lot i think for people who are familiar with your designs you know it's it's cool to see how that story is represented in the in the end 
product you know it's it's, it's like mm-hmm. people could probably tease out some things about you that would that would actually be right almost just from looking at the guitars i feel like mm-hmm. um like yeah. furniture design <laughs> and, and 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 kind of photography and having that eye of towards graphic design and understanding that um so i can see how all of that feeds in to when you're making your instruments um and coming up with your designs um and i'm not going to ask you where do you get your ideas from um because it's the it's literally the worst question you could ask what i'm more building to is i see how that feeds into design the designs that you do do you are you also thinking about like musicians and what like the musicians of today and going forward could need and and how that could be better kind of handled in design um Hmm. I don't, I don't. Well, it, the last the last guitar uh, I designed was uh, uh, almost uh, six years ago, seven years mm-hmm. ago. So I haven't been uh, designing new stuff uh, lately. So it's kind of a hard question to because uh, at the time I designed that that last guitar, it was uh, I was just looking for to make like a an offset guitar, right? Because mm-hmm. offset at the time were becoming more and more popular and uh i uh, so yeah um i think i i i'm more i look more into like the actual design of the guitar rather than serving uh needs mm-hmm. um but maybe for pickups i i do uh, listen to what the what a scene or a style a, ge- a genre of music would need yeah but um then again you you're still working with uh with already already made codes in the in the pickup making mm-hmm. realm like it it will be hard to invent something new uh in 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 pickup design yeah like the form factor or the 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 general way of making it work we, we might change, but um, yeah, I think was, that's the thing with guitar. We're still working with uh, uh, codes that were established like years years and years ago, you know. Yeah. And I, I I'm I'm thinking about new a new model uh, lately, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to do something that's rather. I'd, I think it's been done once by Charvel, where the frets are all in in an angle. Right. Um, but I don't know if it's gonna <laughs> if it's gonna be comfortable to play or not. And uh, I I might just try it because it's I I don't really want to do a multi scale. I I want to do a mo- uh, another model that there will be a multi scale. But mm-hmm. for that model, I want I want the frets to be to be at an angle. Things like this, I don't know if it might be comfortable to some players. It might not be, but it's. It's mostly I, I just mostly see the the design first, yeah. the visual first, and then uh, if it applies to uh, to somebody, yeah, cool. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think I take I take that much interest into what the player needs. I rather take what the design needs uh-huh. rather than the player. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting because especially with like the the design needs and the overall look, and then. You made that distinction with like pickups, so that's where there's more of a consideration with, because you're not going to like innovate beyond ex- kind of the the foundations of that. So that's where it's more about 
maybe considering the players' needs there. And like, obviously, ergonomics, it has to be comfortable. But that's a funny one because, you know, as someone who plays guitar, you can just deal with that yourself as well. You know, if you you can check it and make sure it's comfortable and and mm-hmm. deal with that. And obviously, from a design element, you can tackle that as well. Uh, I mean, it's it's just a it's actually a pattern that I see from. I think most builders who are doing something really interesting and and making a lot of headway and also finding a real audience for their instruments don't deliberately try to target that audience or have that idea of like, this is my audience in mind. They focus in on these these design ideas or something they can't see that they would like themselves. Um, and it kind of just reminds me of musicians a little bit, you know, rather than like thinking about like, here's our target audience. It's more just like, well, I, I thought of something that I wanted to exist in the world and then I made it exist. And then yeah. hope, you hope that people mm-hmm. also kind of dig it. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I think in, in, in guitar design, you have to think about, about design first rather than, than the player. Cause you know, with, uh, ergonomic guitars, yeah, they're going to be comfortable, but most of the time they're gonna look super weird or <laughs> I don't know, they they're gonna look yeah, like a like an ergonomic guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which I'm not a fan of. Uh but yeah. Yeah. But my, my guitars do are uh are pretty comfortable because they're pretty thin and I do think about the, the comfort mm. of it. But um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not the the first the first thing. Yeah. No, I like I say, I think that kind of that does appear as like a pattern again that's a, that's a good point though there are ergonomic builders for whom obviously that's more the main the main consideration but i do find with a, with a lot of builders are really kind of making headway with cool stuff that that is more where the focus comes from is the their own design ideas or like kind of challenges to set themselves or trying to make mm-hmm. something that doesn't exist um you know the other cool thing i like to talk about with kind of smaller builders is getting their perspective from all of this on like where the world of guitars is going because i feel like the smaller companies are are really focused a lot like like we just said on making stuff that doesn't exist now exist um Mm -hmm. so it kind of feels a bit more future focused um and i was kind of interested in i think i read somewhere that you co-organize a guitar show in montreal is that right yeah yeah. Um. So I mean, given the last couple of years in particular of everything that we've had, um, mm-hmm. in this this weird kind of world we're in, how do those kind of events figure into the future of kind of the guitar world, guitar building, for you? Do you see those as being still really important things to kind of bring the community together and get hands on with instruments and stuff like that? Yeah, we we haven't been able to to do the show in uh, now. It's gonna be a third year mm. that we can we are canceling the the show. Mm. Hopefully, we're gonna do it next year, but it's not uh, it's not looking oh, looking good yeah. right now. <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah, because that COVID thing is uh, is back at it. Uh, so I've heard, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it it's quite interesting because. A lot of builders haven't been doing shows and haven't been able to um, uh, compare their instruments to others, and I think it's gonna bring some interest. It, it can it it can be beneficial in some way, mm. but I, I, 
I think it's more beneficial when you can attend shows and see other what others are doing and be inspired. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's that's why I do I do uh, I co-organize that show uh, because it's it's so interesting to uh, to be in contact with others and see what everybody's doing and see really the details in real life. Because uh, there there is one builder, for example, that I really want to see his guitar. Uh, that I, wa- I was not able to to see yet is um, Verso. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I sp- spoke with Robin from Verso for this podcast as well. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, but that that's see that's one thing where I would like uh, to be able to attend shows and to organize shows so I can I can I can see things like this because he uh, he appeared in the um, on the scene like maybe yeah four. I I I, th- I first noticed him I think four years ago mm-hmm. or f- three years ago I, I'm not sure because I remember uh, I was gonna invite him to uh to uh to Sonor but that year we canceled because of the first year of COVID and and yeah I, that's that's a builder that I really want to uh, try his guitars because his guitars are so different mm-hmm. and I want to be able to uh to feel what a guitar like that feel in you know in my hands and. And maybe you know a discussion with him would uh, would spawn uh, ideas or and I think it's very important to still have events like that. Yeah, yeah, that for that it. That's cool to hear. You know, I I think that's just really interesting to hear. With sort of, there's been a lot of attempts to move stuff digital, but I definitely hear this feeling that a lot of people still get so much from face to face, and maybe even more so having missed it for a couple of years. People, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone, kind of thing. People are realizing how yeah. much they got out of these events mm-hmm. um, if they didn't necessarily feel it before. Um, and yeah, uh, well, I, uh, Robin also spoke highly of your instruments. So that would be, I think it would be cool for you guys to, <laughs> to talk there, yeah, yeah. Um, to meet up hopefully in a future show. Uh, so that sounds positive. Uh, do you feel pretty positive about the future of like guitar and guitar and music going forward? Because I, I sometimes feel like this conversation gets very negative and I try on this podcast to, to not do that because I personally, obviously I like to, have you know any guests say all oh, this is what they honestly think but i feel very positive about my outlook of like guitar and music and amazing creative stuff happening and cool creative people mm-hmm. making stuff in terms of instruments and pedals and soundscaping possibilities and cool musicians doing cool stuff with it it, it all just seems very upward trajectory to me uh but some people get get pretty negative about like the guitar is dying so um, I always no, like to ask no, no. people. No, I'm not. How I'm, not I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm agreeing with you. Okay. Uh, I think. I think we are in the golden age of uh, of instrument building or pedals and 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 things like this. Like ten, ten, twelve to ten years ago, I, I couldn't have dreamt of having like uh, a pedal balls, a pedal ball like I have now, <laughs> or guitars like. There are, as I say, with the jazz masters and and everything, like mm-hmm. it's it's crazy how much um, people can have now in terms of gear. It's 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 mind blowing, and uh, I'm very positive that uh, the future is gonna be is gonna be is gonna be good for for guitar building and or pedal design or guitar design because more and more people are and more and more different people are, are, are getting into guitars like it's true mm-hmm. for you know you have, we have more and more women represented on the on the scene uh, on the on the guitar scene and it's mm-hmm. i think it's very very important because it brings it brings something new and refreshing to uh to the table 
and it's not just like uh, you know <laughs> the same old old guys yeah. in basement <laughs> like yeah this yeah you get you get <laughs> yeah you get you gotta use that uh, that um uh, bumblebee cap on your guitar blah 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 I'm like ah come on yeah right? man so it's, it's not that's not my seat either so I'm also very happy by the like refreshing of the scene with new people coming in it's and, and yeah it's amazing in and of itself and then the selfish note is like it's much more interesting to me <laughs> yeah yeah no i th I think i'm very positive like it, it's it's gonna for sure it's uh it's gonna be interesting in the next few few years and this especially with social media and things like this it's easier and easier to exchange ideas do collaboration with other builders um uh, you know mm -hmm. uh So we'll see. I just like uh, um, I'm I'm interested. I'm intri I'm intrigued by the, uh, especially the pedal side mm. of things because it seems to have lost a bit of um, uh, energy in the new thing department. Right. Like so, I'm like I mean it's, it's gonna be interesting. I feel. Yeah, it is going I but you know, yeah, overall like you say the amount that's come out even in just like the last 10 years like what you can build on a pedal board now like you say and and get yeah. the soundscaping it's it it really does feel like everything is but even, being done. But even in guitar even in guitar design like uh, I think people are becoming more and more um adventurous mm. in what they want in a guitar. Like you you can see it with Verso. Like When he when he came when he came out with this model, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> like I thought I thought years ago about about building a body out of uh, folded sheet metal. Like my uh, my um, uh, finishing project at cabinet making school was using sheet metal folding, like right. lasered and and then and then folded. And but he did it in such a way that is. So, You know, uh, like f folded sheet metal can be ungraceful. Mm. Like if you don't, if you don't do it properly, it can look bulky or angles. And and he did it in such a way that it's such so, so interesting. The so things like this or the work of uh, of Nicolai Shore, for example. Mm. Also, he, like his uh, his future model is uh, is really like looking forward and not backwards. Like uh, I always say that I look into the past to design my guitars. I feel like those guys really don't look that much uh, in the past and just look uh, look forward. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. Yeah, and uh, guys like Te Teo as well in in Belgium are doing like super interesting things uh, design wise. Mm -hmm. uh, they they did an offset like a few years back that was uh, super super cool. So yeah, I'm very positive that we're gonna have like so many so many more interesting design coming coming out. But it's so it's awesome to hear. It's really awesome to hear. I love hearing that. Um, it's a nice positive note to end on as well. Um, that was really good. Just uh, as a last thing, uh, where can people go and best check out your instruments? Um, usually, it's my Instagram page uh, at Millimetric Instruments because uh, that's where I put I put all the the new pictures in the. Um, they can go on the website as well, mm -hmm. uh, millimetric.ca, uh, and uh, or Facebook. If you, uh, I'm not, I'm not using Facebook that much anymore because uh, I feel it's a pain to use now, and uh, so I, I usually update 
the Facebook page through the Instagram page. So okay, uh, better you better be going on the on the Instagram page. Cool. Well, I'll be sure to put links to all of that in the podcast description so people can check it out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Warren. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to uh, to be on podcast. It's uh, it's a very interesting uh, platform. Great. Yeah, it, it, I think so too. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad, <laughs> glad it's an interesting way to spend some time. I want to say a massive thank you again to Florian for joining me on the podcast, sharing his knowledge, sharing his perspective. It was really fascinating stuff and it was awesome to get to just talk a little bit about his history, how he got into building and kind of the future where guitar stuff and music and all of that is going as well. As I said at the start, next up will be the two remaining full-length interviews that I did for the podcast on innovative guitar design. And then after that, we'll be moving on to making the next structured episode, again, using full-length interviews with a variety of guests there. And then we'll continue on the same pattern, also releasing the full-length interviews for you to enjoy. So hopefully you guys did enjoy that. Uh, hopefully it's great to get both the edited together episodes and the full-length interviews um, with a, kind of all the depth and all the other stuff we went off topic on and everything like that. So massive thanks again to Florian. Check out Millimetric Instruments. Should be a bunch of links uh, in the description for this podcast and I'll catch you in the next episode for our next full-length interview.